a lot of things are happening in, in ag, but not enough, especially not in the last century if we will compare it to other industries. And I think the main reason was because uh, what we have done, we were focusing on future yield. And mm-hmm. in, in industry where uh, the revenue is so big, but the margins are so small, the question was always, okay, who is going to pay until yield is proven? And I think this created a huge uh, step back on uh, embracing new technologies. Welcome to CropTastic, the Interplant podcast where your host, Shelly Aronoff, explores the global future of agriculture and food. We're joined this episode by Ben Alfie, a former Israeli Air Force pilot and CEO and founder of Blue White Robotics. Ben and Shelly talk about rising labor scarcity on the farm and how autonomous equipment fits into the future of agriculture. Welcome everyone to Cropsastic, the podcast by Interplan. Today's guest is Ben Alfie, the founder and CEO of Blue White Robotics. Ben, it's great to have you here today. Great to be with you and uh, really happy to be part of this uh, amazing program that you guys are doing. Thank you. For our audience, uh, Ben is also an Israeli, so today we can... uh, Speak more more boldly than we usually speak, I think, right? Well, uh, I find that in agriculture, uh, most of the people, uh, uh, their heart and their uh, speech is the same. So I I hope uh, it will be aligned with everybody. But yes, usually politically yes. correct, is not, it's, it's not a good part of our side. It's not a good side. Of it's not our strong suit, yeah. Um, well, Ben, to get started, can you walk us through your uh, background, your really interesting career and what you're doing today at a high level? Sure, Shelley. I was 25 years in the Air Force, uh, served uh, for quite a while uh, until 2017. Um, Pilot, right? Flying F-16s and uh, also uh, during uh, that time, uh, not only that, but also uh, being in charge of all the unmanned system uh, programs uh, in the Israeli Air Force uh, for the last 10 years uh, of my service. It was a great experience because during that time I managed to see disruption in autonomous capabilities, some things that we don't see in other places uh, quite a lot. And a lot of people are talking about this. Uh, what does it mean, disruption? So this is where I came from, from a place yeah. that uh, gives you a, a vast percentage of the operation is uh, on unmanned systems. And instead of uh, investing uh, $3 million on people like me, for takeoff and landing and doing all the mistakes uh, to create capabilities on autonomous vehicles. That was uh, something huge. And uh, when I uh, uh, finished my uh, service, I, I've asked myself, okay, what should I do uh, with this uh, tool bag and experience? And my goal was to uh, create impact on the civilian market uh, through autonomy worldwide. And uh, we've uh, opened uh, together with uh, another two of my uh, friends from the past, uh, Blue White. And today, Blue White is uh, 140 people uh, five years after. So we really enjoy what we're doing. You know, I don't know. I don't hear often people referring to it as civilian industry. I love it. Um, yeah. One quick question out of curiosity and before we get into ag, but when you're saying that the aircrafts are now unmanned, is that like actual big airplanes too, or is it just the small drone like or? How far, how far are we in that? Uh, the ballpark is uh, anything between two pounds to six tons. This is the area that you will see uh, most of uh, the operation in this type of uh, vehicles are uh, will be unmanned. 
Still, there are uh, cargo aircrafts and uh, fighter aircrafts that uh, you'll see most of the aircrafts on that side. They, they will be manned still. Right. The fighter is going to be the hardest, I would guess, no? I think it's a matter of a decision. Uh, but uh, technology-wise, uh, we are already there as a, as a world. And uh, we'll, I guess we'll see more and more uh, of that happening. There's no reason to risk people and uh, you get better right. decision in uh, where the coffee is really near you instead of in a condensed cabin. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So let's dive into, can you tell us more about Blue White and what's your mission, what you're working on? I guess uh, most of the listeners here uh, do understand that uh, we are in a huge uh, problem uh, as for the uh, the world that is a population that is growing dramatically and we're facing a severe uh, labor shortage alongside production costs that are rising dramatically uh, just in the last few years, whether it be uh, because of Ukraine uh, or uh, inflation or any other reason, we see dramatic change in that uh, and climate change altogether. Uh, we are with a situation where growers are actually losing control and blue-white is uh, coming to this market in order to create autonomous machines that are changing the future of the farm. Our role is uh, to take any existing machine that is driving in the farm, especially in permanent crops, and transform it to uh, autonomous. And that way we are creating autonomous data-driven farm. And we have the methodology to how to make it happen and how to make it commercial like we are today. So what are the, is it all about labor shortages or is it Beyond that, how do you envision, uh, maybe tell us what crops you're working on and what crops you're interested in, and then how do you envision the system working in the future when it's autonomous and beyond just the fact that there's not people in the driving, but what else can you do because we can just do this autonomously? A lot of things are happening in, in, in ag, but not enough, especially not in the last century if we will compare it to other industries. And I think the main reason was because uh, what we have done, we were focusing on future yield and mm -hmm. in, in industry where uh, uh, the revenue is so big, but the margins are so small. The question was always, okay, who is going to pay until yield is proven? And I think this created a huge uh, step back on uh, embracing new technologies. Uh, what Blue White is offering and what we want, we want on the production cost. Uh, meaning not just labor, labor, but we take three key elements on the production cost that uh, you want to show against them return on investment as soon as possible. Uh, it's labor, it's uh, the inputs, and the amount of vehicles uh, that are needed to do to make the job done. Uh, if we can reduce all three of them from day one, uh, like we are doing, and and you can show return on investment early and. Uh, key decision for a grower whether to embrace this technology or not is not as hard as creating a lot of investment for a maybe yes or no future yield. And this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing today. This sounds, I, the reason I like talking to you is I feel like we agree a lot on what's the right strategy to get into this market. And I would argue any market, by the way, make something that's a step change, right? It needs to be better, higher yield, less cost, everything. But then at the same time, make it easier for the person to do the job, right? Versus say, well, this is going to be better for you, but you have to jump over hoops and it's going to make life harder, but do this. It's going to be better. I don't think this will work in any industry, not just in ag. 
what what is your thought about maybe some I, of the I, challenges I, I, i'm totally with you uh, and i we've seen it uh, you know we talked where i came from and we've seen what made a disruption and it's actually the same uh, the same trick pony on three uh, areas one is maximize the assets that you already have people have invested growers have invested so much money on uh, creating their fleets uh, especially in permanent crop where we're working whether it be vineyards or uh, citrus or uh, stone fruit orchards uh, where you have a lot of vehicles running 24/7 almost 12 months a, a year and the production cost over there per acre is huge so what what we have done we took three main ideas that enables this change one is to maximize uh, your existing assets meaning you don't need to buy a new vehicle in order to move to to transform to a 21st right. century operation so it's easy uh, our uh, technology can uh, create autonomous uh, vehicle uh, run uh, vehicles run autonomously in those environments with no gps and others where uh, uh, on on every type of color so if you want to remember that you know blue white can uh, operate any type of color this is our the our main goal So this is uh, one and the second the th- the second thing is that you wanted you want connectivity so you want one operating system to operate all those vehicles and the same operating system to collect any data from uh, those uh, uh, vehicles that are running that you can distribute and give to other stakeholders uh, that are in need of that data and the third part is the adoption process uh, where you want we're doing robot as a service meaning you're not buying the product a uh, you are uh, uh, leasing or paying for the ser- the actual service of autonomous vehicles that are uh, operating at your farm and we are there end to end with the customer in the training in the planning and the um, uh, first year operation to see that this technology is embraced correctly and then we we step back uh, if the grower wants and if not we will keep on being there to operate it Uh, if needed bottom line today we see uh, our uh, farm operators are uh, young uh, boys and girls from the age of 18 till 70 huge diversity men and women uh, disabled uh, whatever it's quite easy to operate all the safety is on the um, technology that we embrace inside what is the percentage of farmers that want to step back and which one or what percentage want you to continue to operate for them I believe that at the end of the day everybody wants to operate all the vehicles alone and they want to have a maximum control in this area and the only difference is the, the only difference is how long is the transition period some uh, some uh, people it takes them a few months and some uh, it might take a year or two let me ask you something you're obviously in a world of some 800 pound gorillas and honestly in ag everyone's in a world of some some of those uh, but in your case steer case echo how do you think about the large players incumbents and you know how do you think about operating alongside them working with them competing with them uh, i believe that uh, we're not competing we are creating the ability to uh, uh, make this transformation we bring uh, three main uh, key values to the market one is the experience and the ability on the technology side to create autonomous capabilities in permanent crops and mind you it's totally different technology 
then in uh, raw crops uh, where it's yep. open fields and the ability not just to operate the vehicles but also make sure that the job is done meaning multi-vehicle and multi-implements uh, and multi-type of crops so this is one the technology second is uh, dealing with aftermarket uh, this is a huge uh, um, thing we we as an ecosystem, we do understand that transforming legacy and existing vehicles is something that is here to stay for at least a decade or two. And this is the second thing. And the last thing is embracing service models, just like in other areas where everybody is doing it as a service. In agriculture, we hardly have, ever have it. Most of the people are buying product. And then it just becomes obsolete when you're dealing with autonomous vehicles. You need to create new capabilities, new uh, uh, jobs, new implements, new technology, new hardware. And you don't want to nickel and dime uh, the customer. So uh, working with those uh, giants, which are uh, critical to the market, I think is uh, we see ourselves as enablers. And... Uh, you know, we're talking about values. Uh, our values are of uh, fellowship, love of the land and innovation. And fellowship means that we need to create a win-win situation for everybody. ROI for the customers and making sure that we can implement new technologies as fast as possible and not just in 2027 or 2030. The problem is now. And uh, to make sure that also us and our investors, everybody uh, is earning uh, money from uh, our side on the unit economics. You know, so it's a win -win. only win-win? No one's losing? I believe in win-win. Uh, I think uh, the, uh, the world is changing. There is no reason to have pilots. There is no reason to have uh, uh, tractor drivers that are uh, doing these uh, dangerous uh, and fatigue jobs. We need to uh, transform uh, to a world of uh, robot operators. We need to uh, help um, help the world uh, to make uh, agriculture sexy again, to bring people uh, to come back to uh, the field and, and to see what an amazing things we can do. And at the end of the day, you know, bring food to our people. Yeah, I think sometimes we get pushed back in the valley and like, but you're taking away jobs. And I, I can't even ask the question. I'm just going to prime it up for you. Obviously, there's always a lack of labor. How bad is it? really, to even get enough labor for farming. As you said, uh, we are Israelis, especially myself, I don't behave so nice. So during COVID, I was uh, really traveling alone in, uh, in all the kind of aircrafts uh, and coming uh, to uh, the Bay Area and also coming to, uh, uh, you know, wandering between Bakersfield and Sacramento and seeing uh, what's happening over there. And uh, it was us and the grower and the farm manager and about half of the uh, people weren't there and also following uh, uh, covid we still see that uh, the need is um, something like uh, for 50 percent more of the available uh, uh, personnel and not only that is also um, uh, how hard is it to train uh, a tractor driver to do the job uh, correctly I don't know. I have 18 years old a boy and 21 year old girl. If I'm asking them to do an eight hours shift, four o'clock in the morning, and to make sure they're driving two miles per hour on a tractor, this is something that is very hard for anyone that is post 50 years old and uh, and are used to do that thing. We're not doing that thing and we're not capable. So um, the situation today is. Uh, 
other than trying to do more with less with the amount of people, we also uh, bringing new uh, spirit uh, to uh, to the farms. Uh, we have workers coming from the Bay Area to uh, Fresno. We have workers who came uh, to uh, Fresno from LA and also from uh, Seattle uh, because there is something new. There is something great that is happening, and um, and you know you can do it in the open field and not in a, a in a closed uh, house. So mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. uh, again it's a win win that I'm looking for on that part. So Ben, you've been successful, and I like your energy. I like the way you think, the strategy. There's a lot of Arctic founders out there. What what is your advice? What are the things you like? What are the things? What are the things you think people are getting wrong? How would you mentor people? Uh, first of all, uh, thank you for what you're saying, but I'm st- I still feel that I'm just at the beginning. Only five years have passed and we have at least another few good years to create more impact. Uh, what do I think? Uh, every day that passes, I believe that the, the problem that we're facing is huge. And there are two key things that we need to, uh, I would recommend one, uh, focus on what you are good and your value proposition to uh, the world and to the ecosystem and maximize it and do as many cooperation as possible. And the problem is big enough to cooperate and the problem is big enough uh, to make sure that uh, each and every one of us are maximizing our capabilities. So uh, for startup-wise, uh, focus and, uh, and cooperate. This, these are the two things. Um, and as for the value proposition, I think when we're talking about successful is everything that, okay, finding the product market fit in a way is to find something that creates value to uh, the stakeholders, to all stakeholders in a way, and uh, also creates a positive unit economics to you from day one. I think this is... Uh, yeah, that's this, a really important this, point, right? When you're talking about the service model, I have to tell you, I... I was thinking about, I've seen this many times before, fail, where people are like, we're going we're gonna to fly the drone as a service. But the reality mm-hmm. is that they're losing money doing it, right? So it's one exactly. thing to offer it as a service, but it needs to be unit economic positive from the beginning. And then you transition whatever you want or you keep the model working. I know you have that, but a lot of people don't. And sometimes the service model is the way to hide the fact that it's not going to work. Uh, so I, 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 totally, I, I totally agree. I also... Uh, I also find uh, something which is really uh, cool about this area is for long-term players. Uh, we are doing five-year contracts, right. five-year to- contracts, meaning both sides understand that we are investing a lot of effort, never mind money, a lot of effort to uh, uh, move to a certain, uh, uh, to embrace a certain technology or a certain capability or to transform to uh, what we call 21st century data-driven farm. So once you have this five-year contract, and again, if you behave, nobody, if, if something is, if nobody behaves nice, we will not keep that. But if we are, and we do understand, we are setting expectation, we have a joint ro- roadmap of how yeah. to increase those capabilities, then I can also address the unit economics correctly from day one. And the others and, and the grower can address the return on investment from the other side. We show, I don't know, 30%, 35% from day one and up to 85% at the full capacity of, uh, of what does it mean to have an autonomous farm uh, in your farm. Uh, and same uh, goes with our unit economics. We, we, this is the only thing and that can uh, make it really happen. I think uh, 
the world has learned enough enough from uh, uh, models that they uh, are they just yeah, don't make the 2010 crop of startups out there yeah they just don't make sense in a way so yeah that's yeah. about it and it's interesting that you say that you have the five-year contract because that to me seems like the SAS dream right the whole SAS model is locked them into for as long as possible and it's hard to do with proper SAS because there's so many opportunities and there's so many products available but if you look at farmers when they're committed it's for a long time and they farm for a very long time right so you have the perfect storm of, uh, of a long engagement I love uh, this ecosystem uh, for that reason uh, there is uh, openness there is the ability to show uh, you know most of the, the discussion today is you know it is what it is you cannot create a revolution that nothing has happened as for uh, the type of the way we operate uh, farms for the last 150 years uh, take uh, plus minus 30 years and you know imagine that you can change it in one year it, it just doesn't happen it just doesn't happen and uh, what you need you need people that you can trust on 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 both sides or even four sides of the map in order to make it happen and where if you have transparency and you can talk about it and you can show what is achievable today and what will be achievable in two years i don't know we're doing for example yeah. spray we do autonomous spray mow uh, and herbicide today and our roadmap shows that we'll do also autonomous harvesting and something like 18 to 24 months okay if someone wants, you know, everything today, it's just, and somebody promises everything today, <laughs> to, you know, it's yeah. it's just creating a lot of um, disadvantage on that side. I agree. You want your killer app and then you can make as many of them as you want over time. Before um, we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, so you spend a lot of time at the army. Um, and I, it's funny when people ask me about my background, I spent two years at the army as most Israelis do women. And I don't talk about it often, but I think a lot of my leadership style actually came from the army. A lot of interesting things that I've taken with me that helped me become a better CEO. What what did you take from your time in the army? How has it impacted the way you run your company, the way you manage your team? I think the main three things that I took is um, have a vision and work to a vision and, and, and have this always as your compass uh, where do you want to go and what is the end, what is the end game of uh, all this story and how does that uh, story ends this is one two make sure that you have very accurate values that are your core values and it doesn't matter what happens you're not willing to uh, uh, sabotage or do anything that uh, uh, is against your values and these are two main things on that part and the last uh, thing is uh, trust you know just be as open as possible uh, believe believe in yourself believe in your uh, that you are doing uh, the maximum uh, to create value to everybody other than that is uh, you know if you have a good team and you have uh, uh, the good spirit the good values uh, all the other things will be solved and the ability to deal with any uh, obstacle every challenge every setback or success uh, you know uh, er, both success and the challenges you need to deal in a, in, a, in the correct way and uh, deal with it in a way that uh, at the end of the day nobody is uh, 
you know, we need to bring everybody home at the end of the day. And this is what, uh, this is how I'm looking at it. Uh, it's a yeah. lot of responsibility. It's a lot of responsibility. And only when I have these guidelines, I know that uh, for sure I will achieve it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's one of the things that I do think we get from the army that I love, which is this concept of responsibility. Sticking around until the end, understanding that whatever it is you've built is your responsibility. And if it goes badly, that's also your responsibility, right? To take care of people. I think this is one of the most compelling things I see with a lot of Israeli entrepreneurs. Well, Ben, thank you so much for being here today. This has been great. Um, really appreciate you coming and spending some time with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Shelley. And I think that uh, what you're doing uh, also uh, personally and also through this podcast, what you're doing and uh, having the ability to share uh, with everybody um, as much as possible. So we will uh, uh, bring uh, uh, food uh, to our table. I think it's amazing. So thank you very much for that. And that'll do it for this episode of Croptastic. Thank you again to Ben Alfie from Blue White Robotics for joining us today. As always, please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And please share any feedback you have with us via LinkedIn or on our Twitter account at inner underscore plant. Thanks for listening.